You guys know how much I love Organifi. Well, for a limited time, you can get a brand new Sunrise to Sunset kit that helps transform your entire day in three simple steps. You start with a morning reset of green juice, a detoxifying blend that includes 11 superfoods, including ashwagandha and adaptogen, researched for cortisol regulation in the body. Then in the afternoon, instead of grabbing caffeine or a sugary snack, get an afternoon energy boost with red juice. It tastes delicious and includes five antioxidant-rich berries plus four powerful adaptogens. And then at night, my favorite, gold. Ease your body into a calm, relaxed state with nine soothing superfoods, including turmeric and ginger. It's a delicious snack right before bed that actually helps you sleep better. You'll get all three superfood blends in the Sunrise to Sunset Kit. And for a limited time, you'll get a free 30-day sample of Pure, which is a delicious brain-boosting blend made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain axis. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Head over to www.organifi.com slash bestofyou and use code bestofyou for 20% off your entire order. That's www.organifi.com slash bestofyou. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Best of You podcast where we are in a series on friendship. We're talking with friends about friendship, and this week's episode is really special to me. I've invited two new friends that I've made within the last couple of years onto the episode to talk about what it's like to make a new friend later in life as an adult, right? And there are a couple of things that are hard about making new friends as an adult. Number one, it can be challenging Because if you've had a lot of old friends, if you've enjoyed longevity in your friendships, let's say you move to a new location and you're starting over and it can feel hard at first. Like, you know, I've left friends behind who knew me so well. And how am I going to establish that level of depth, that level of intimacy with a new friend? And that can feel overwhelming to people. I hear that from people all the time. And then secondly, another thing that's hard is many of us have been hurt in friendships, frankly. By the time you've lived a few decades on this planet, you've experienced hurt, no doubt, by a friend. And so it can be hard to learn how to trust again as an adult when we've all had a few wounds from prior friendships. So today I asked two of my new friends on so that we could talk about these two things. How do we go deep with new friends? How do we establish new rhythms with them? And how do we determine trustworthiness in someone when we're a little bit older, we're maybe a little bit wiser, we're maybe not quite as ready to trust as quickly. So how do we establish trustworthiness? How do we discern it in a new friend? I'm super excited for this episode with my friends, Andy Kolber and Monique Gadsen. You know both of them. They've both been on the podcast before. Andy Kolber is a therapist and the author of two books, Try Softer and Strong Like Water. She's a trauma-informed therapist and writes from the lens of helping people who've experienced trauma to discover deep healing. And the other friend of mine is Dr. Monique Gadsen. She is also a therapist who has worked primarily in church settings throughout her career. She's the co-author of a book, Finding Hope in a Dark Place, with Clarence Schuler, and she's a professor at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. I'm so excited for you to join me for this conversation with my friends, Andy and Monique. Hi, friends. It is good to see your faces. I feel like I have to take that in for a second because I talk to you both, but I don't see your faces that often. So I'm so excited to have you both here today. I asked both of you because I've known each of you just a few years. You really qualify as these sort of new friends. And that's really what we're talking about. You're both therapists. I love that you're both have that background. All three of us do. You're both people who I have found a way to 
overcome those obstacles to making a new friend. Monique, you were conducting a prayer, a live prayer, via your IG stories when it first caught my attention. A couple of years ago, I think it was a year and a half ago, I stopped to pray with you a few nights online. I was feeling a little jaded, you know, doing my scrolling, and there you were, just so sincerely praying. And that meant a lot to me. And then through that, we connected offline. We've had, I just sensed a real Holy Spirit connection with you. You are so real. And you've just shared with me just so sincerely. We come from really different contexts. You're a black woman from the deep South, right? From Atlanta. I grew up in a very white context in rural Wyoming. You know, we we come from very different backgrounds. And yet there was something, it, it meant so much to me that you sensed safety in me, that you invested trust in me. I know that takes a lot to do. And I've so appreciated getting to know you, learning so much from you, and just so grateful for you and the ways we've gotten to know each other. Andy, you caught my eye online. Again, your two friends I made online, which is not the moral of this story, right? That we all, we go on social media to make new friends. But in my case, I'm so grateful for both of you that that's how this happened. You and I were both, you had just published Trisofter. I had published Boundaries for Your Soul. We were both kind of new to this whole, we're therapists. Now all of a sudden we're authors. We have a growing platform. We began to connect offline and just developed an incredible rhythm and depth very quickly to our friendship that has lasted now a couple of years. So that's why I invited you both on. I'm so grateful that you're here to have this conversation with me. I would love to hear from both of you just your perspective on what I've shared on making new friends, how that's been hard for you as an adult, what potentially you've had to overcome in order to do that in your lives? Ooh, yeah, it's been a little bit disorienting and in some ways liberating. I do believe being an adult and being an older adult now, you know, wisdom has taught a lot and aging process, if you will, teaches us how to recognize and kind of cut around some things, you know, a little bit quicker process, if you will. And I think that that's what's been liberating for me, that I have not had to kind of go through the, oh, I've done all of this and get to the end of the rainbow and it's not the healthiest or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it is disorienting in that, as you say, we're all therapists and we all have done therapy as well, our own personal therapy. And through that process of becoming more self-aware and growing, it is disorienting when you do learn that maybe a lot of those attachments you made were made from those more unhealthy places, you know? So it is a little bit disorienting to think, oh, wow, maybe this is why this has drifted apart, or this is why now that I have shifted and things seem awkward, maybe that's why. So it's a little bit of a disorientation that has taken place in terms of just thinking like, wow, this not as it used to be, but there is this liberation that I feel that I don't necessarily have to go through some of the bumps and the bruises, you know, to to land on a more healthy relationship. I love that, both disorienting and liberating. I want to hear about how you learn to discern more quickly those potential pitfalls, those red flags So let's circle back to that. Andy, how about you? What's it been like for you to establish newer friendships as an adult? Yeah, well, first, I just want to say it's fun to hear how you two connected a little bit more, you know, just because I think I have known you, Dr. Monique, in a different context. But I love hearing how that developed also between two women that I really respect. And I love to hear that, you know, because we don't always... We don't always hear those stories. So that I just wanted to say that. But yeah, it has been quite an adventure, (laughs) quite an adventure to make friends as an adult. Yeah, I mean, part of my story is that I am a trauma survivor, you know, and I would say I'm a survivor of complex PTSD. And that has impacted so many parts of my life. And that includes friendships. And I would say probably similar to you, Dr. Monique, like, seeing some of the choices I made, the connections that I made when I was young, I can see some of the dynamics of how my trauma impacted those connections. And I think for me, particularly, 
It's really interesting as I've done a lot more of my own attachment work, I've noticed that my dad, who, you know, was my relationship with him, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of panic. Um, there was a lot of fawning. And what I have noticed is, is that I would say oftentimes my friendships were rooted more in not so much like overtly feeling afraid, but really having to live from a place where it's like, if I can just keep them happy. And I think that was very much rooted in that trauma history. Like, I just need to keep you happy. But, but the cost of that was that it never, it's like, it was really hard for it to connect to deep places in my own self. And, and I would say that because of that, a lot of those friendships, what I ended up finding, not all, and I certainly will say that not all, but there were some experiences that I had where I was unfortunately put in some really vulnerable situations because of that dynamic in myself. And it's taken years. It's taken years and lots of self-compassion and lots of repair to be able to turn towards those dynamics in myself and to sort of lovingly like reparent the dynamics so that the friendships that I'm picking, I'm able to, I would say similarly, again, to you, Dr. Monique, like notice more quickly, like, oh, that's a no-go for me. <laughs> like, God bless you. But like, we're not going to probably go much deeper here. And I'm going to just put my energy somewhere else. And then alternately, those places that there is nourishment, there is goodness, I feel a lot more capacity um, to follow through on that and to sort of believe myself, believe my own body when my body's like, yes, that person is a yes. It's been quite the journey. I just want to say, I love what you're saying. I've had conversations with both of you offline and on the podcast about this fond response. And I still to this day have to do so much work inside of myself to discern Am I doing this out of a fear response because I cannot disappoint anybody? I cannot make somebody mad? Or am I doing this because I genuinely want to invest in this friendship or in this person? That still takes me a lot of work internally. And so I just want to name that. This is, these are hard responses to shift out of. They're so conditioned in us, I think, especially as women. I want to ask you both, because you've touched on this, how do you discern? What are some of those concrete, I hate to use the word red flags because it's so cliche, but how do you begin to discern? You know, you're beginning to walk into a friendship and you begin to go, oh, this isn't feeling quite right. You know, it just means I'm not going to invest my energy here. What are some of the things that you notice that give you those cues to proceed with caution or to take a U-turn out of the situation? And also, how might you help a client? You know, this is both from your own personal experience and how might you help clients begin to see those red flags? I think I'll speak from, because I am sitting with someone currently, well, <laughs> we're probably sitting with many someones <laughs> currently, but I am thinking of one specific client where, we're having to do that work now to be able to say, you know, do you recognize how you are replicating that dynamic in this relationship? And again, like you say, it's so subtle and it's so easy to kind of deceive ourselves. But with this particular person, I'm having to kind of point to, you know, what are you hoping is going to be the outcome here? And especially because it is a relationship that she's trying to hold on to with that dynamic and has already begun to recognize that there are some very kind of toxic places, you know, in that relationship. So it is one of those, what are you hoping? Like, what is the outcome here? That's where I'm trying to get her, her focused. And I think for myself, I've had to go there too, to ask myself those hard questions. Is this a person that you're hoping will validate you? You know, is this a person that you do feel some sense or some need to say like, hey, I'm good and will you like me? And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about the people pleasing, being the PK growing up. So that is still very much a thing that I have to recognize and I have to to really battle. And I think to Andy's point a minute or two ago, 
it's exhausting when you have recognized that you have put your emotional energies in places where it's not been reciprocated. And when you get there, you're thinking like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm lonely. You know, I'm exhausted and I am lonely. So I think for me, having to ask those questions, you know, first and foremost, and also being quite aware that if this is not going to be mutually um, beneficial in terms of us kind of iron sharpening iron or being nourishing and emotionally healthy, I think for me, that's one of the clues that I'm saying, mm, maybe I need to kind of start backpedaling, you know, out of this and looking at it from a broader perspective to determine, okay, yeah, I can go in or maybe I need to kind of deviate to another path. Do you, as a therapist, do you feel like at times what can happen is you can walk into a friendship where someone wants everything you have to give but doesn't reciprocate it? Oh, absolutely. So that's sort of the red flag is when you realize I'm giving a lot here and not a lot is coming back. When it's sort of my turn to say, wow, I had a hard day. There's not much coming back. I'm wanted if I'm there for them. That, that makes a lot of sense. I hear that one a lot as well. And that that can take a lot inside to recognize, oh, no, I'm worth more than that. I'm worth this two-way investment of relationships. How about you, Andy? Yeah. Well, I think you make some really great points, Dr. Monique, and I, and I agree. I mean, I think that outcome piece is so is so good, like stepping back and seeing like, okay, where will this go? What, what will um, this produce? I think that's so helpful. Oftentimes, and I would say this both with, from clinically, but also personally, things like the automatic responses to the person, I think can tell a lot of information. So this feeling like, oh, if I don't do X, I predict this response from this person. And now certainly there's some room there for caveats. Like sometimes that's our, that's part of our own stories too. Like sometimes we're picking up cues that remind us of something, but it's not necessarily fully based in the present. So there's like a lot of nuance, but also our bodies are very wise. Our bodies are very wise. And so I think like one I think about is oftentimes those reactions to the feeling of why are you doing what you're doing? Um, and I think it kind of speaks a little bit, Allison, to that fawn response too. Like I'm being generous to this person, but I'm doing it because I know that if I don't, I kind of feel like I might be punished. Is a great example of the behavior itself is not bad. Like being generous is a good thing. But if we feel like we have to be generous because the consequence will be that we'll be punished, there's an issue there, right? Like, and that speaks to the actual friendship and if it's a healthy friendship itself. Or this person is in crisis. Maybe this person is in crisis a lot and I can, you can have compassion for that. But it's that feeling like um, I am the only one who can help them and I've been put in the situation to be the only one that can help them. All other offers or boundaries or anything else is rejected and it's putting me in a situation where it's really hurting my mental health. It's hurting my well-being. I think that sense of needing to be the caregiver, you know, or for a client, they are being put in a position of being a caregiver. And, and a, a couple others I think of is like situations where a friend is always wanting to fix it. Like you, you articulate just how you're doing and the person runs in and it's like, cuts you off at the pass and it's like here's your three answers and you know I mean those experiences of no I just I just want to be a person like I just want to name how I'm doing but all of these things remind me ultimately also like how I feel when I'm with someone mm -hmm. and to me that's almost like the bigger thing do I feel like I can exhale mm -hmm. does my body mm -hmm. feel settled Am I always clenching? Like things like that sometimes get me to those other pieces a little bit sooner if I can pay attention. I'm always looking for ways to try to build healthier habits and maximize health across every front. And that's why I'm so thrilled that this podcast is sponsored by AquaTrue. AquaTrue is a water purifier that uses a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. That's a fancy way of saying the water goes through a very thorough filtering process. AquaTrue removes 15 times more 
contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. I love my AquaTrue. I just fill up my giant water bottle so I can be drinking water throughout the day, which I know is so good for my body. And best of all, without the waste of plastic water bottles. AquaTrue uses the same technology utilized by all the major bottled water brands, but it's available for your home without the plastic waste. The countertop purifiers work with no installation. Our plumbing, they're so easy to install and they last a long time. An AquaTrue filter can last from six months to as long as two years. It's time to get peace of mind with AquaTrue. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code best of you at checkout. Plus, AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. One last time, that's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use code BESTOFYOU. Getting high-quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh-generation cleaning supplies has been a game-changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high-sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash you. thrivemarket.com slash you. It's so interesting, and it can be subtle. The health or the safety can actually be subtle. And I say this to people a lot. Sometimes the sizzle is very deceptive. I don't want to say someone with a lot of charisma can't end up being a great friend. However, what I've noticed is that sizzle, that allure, isn't always the ingredient of a healthy friendship. Just the other night, my husband and I noticed we were with another couple. And when we left, we were like, it was just what you said, Andy. It was, we both thought, gosh, that was so weird. I just felt like I could totally be myself. And it was so subtle, right? It wasn't like we'd had the world's best conversation. It was more just we left going, wow, that was just easy. It was relaxing. There's something there that we I've learned to name and go, oh, that's interesting. Because you don't always feel that way with people. And when you've spent a lifetime kind of being in that state, that activated state of let me please you, let me show up. It takes a minute to kind of detox from that and go, gosh, health actually just feels sort of light. The other thing I want to add, I've noticed, I've thought about this, is another paradoxical, counterintuitive green flag, right? Green light is that if I feel the freedom to get frustrated or to feel like, oh, that's annoying. I've got to think about how to approach that with someone. Oddly enough, there's typically some safety there. If it's not safe to feel, because that's normal in human relationships, in friendships, I've noticed the less I feel safe to kind of name something as, oh, that's a little annoying, or I don't know if I like that, that fawn part of me has reared up and says, it is not safe. You have to only please this person, right? Which means I cannot even entertain a potentially negative or a potentially frustrated thought about that person. And that was mind-blowing to me when I realized that, if that makes sense. That if my system, it's doing what you were describing, Andy, that anticipatory, I know how they'll respond, so I will just be this, 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 and this. It's doing that calculated thing. That's a huge red flag, as opposed to those normal human emotions where it's not like I unleash on somebody, but it's where there's safety enough for me to feel the full range of emotions inside my own body about the relationship. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I mean, I I think about the safety that is needed to be able to repair or to name just a reality. Or I often think about like from a green flag perspective, people who give enough space to 
sort of, they give cues like, but if you don't, if you think differently, I'm open to that. Or you might see this differently. Or I'd be open to talking about that. Or what are your thoughts on that? Like all of those things, I feel like invite a sense of like, mm-hmm. of course you might think differently and that's totally okay, you know? And that just feels so safe to me. I love that. I think I experience a lot of that with both of you. I've noticed even, especially Andy, a couple of times you and I will each feel some, you, I love you, you've used the word complicated emotions, not necessarily about each other, but about something we're sharing. And that's such a neat way to name, you know, that stirs up complicated emotions in me, which is me owning my own experience But it also cues you to say, this is a sensitive topic. Let's proceed tenderly with each other on it. I love that naming. That's been such a helpful naming for me in discerning trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I think that that's what I discerned in you, Allison. I mean, and you know, as of right now, we've not met each other in person, right? (laughs) You know, so I often even think about that, that there has not been this embodied experience like, you know, in in real time, if you will, but even the ways that we have connected, that's exactly what I have gotten from you. And, you know, I told you not too long ago, I said, you know, I just already feel like the day I meet you in person, I'm probably going to like hug you and just boohoo. Like, you're the one my soul has been looking for, you know, kind of that feeling. Because the things that we talk about, are very complicated. And yes. um, and I yes, think even are. when we had begun to engage deeper conversation, I, you know, I kind of said to you, I'm almost in need of this corrective emotional, you know, type of experience. And, and I felt like, oh God, like I just threw like a big burden in her lap and it's like, oh, okay. But <laughs> to Auntie's point, you have the capacity to be able to say, wow, and I'm okay with walking with you through this, you know, as opposed to, oh, girl, you just got too much going on and let me try to figure out a way to just, you know, no. And I think that that, to kind of name it as a green flag, you have the capacity. You have that emotional capacity, meaning for me, you're, you're healthy enough to say, I can listen to yours. It's hard. You know, yeah, we need to proceed kind of with this gentle caution, if you will, And also, I can do the same with you. You know, it's that reciprocal type of thing. So I think that that's what I discern just even more immediately with you as well. And I felt the same. You were so honest. It just moved me how honest you were about the need that you were able to name. And again, that sets us a healthy expectation of the friendship. And I also don't feel as if there's... What you're saying to me is I need you to be perfect. You're saying I need a safe space for us to talk through some of these hard topics together, which also includes sometimes me saying, I don't know if I'm going to get this right. It's just that we need to be able to have that baseline expectation that we're going to name some hard things. That meant so much to me. Yeah, as well as me. And I think that the older I get, I look for that or just try to discern that flexibility in people. Because if there is this role that I play and I have always played, and if you don't fit that, then, you know, we're really going to kind of rub against each other, kind of in not so great ways. When I discern that that's not there, you know, for me, there there is just kind of like, don't, you know, there's no need to even go any further here. I mean, you know, we can be cordial, hey, hey. But in terms of trying to engage anything deeper, for me, especially now at this point of life, it's like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. The irony I want to share a little bit, Monique, is we, we had a conversation offline after we recorded your podcast on this show last December, where I shared with you my experience at that Christian camp that I had never really talked about. And ironically, here I was. I don't know why it was just so traumatizing to me to be around a lot of Christians who were expressing overtly racist comments. And and just it was very it, it really threw me for several years. I was walking into it as a Jesus follower and left going, I don't know what to make of this. And it was in a time before we were talking a lot about, you know, it was literally kind of before the internet was a big thing to age me. And so it was very lonely. 
And and so meaning the reciprocation, like you heard that story and honored that in me. And that that was a powerful naming for me of something I'd never really named of what that's like to sort of be witnessing something that I didn't have the tools at the time to know what to do about. I just knew I hated it. And I knew that it really deeply affected my own experience of the church at that time. We've held some space for each other in ways that have been deeply formative to me out of the naming you originally did. And I'm so grateful for that. I want to ask you guys, I think this is a hard question, but I think it's an important one. You know, we've kind of talked about these green flags. I love that we flipped to green flags. We've talked about how you discern trustworthiness. We've also touched on needing to back out of friendships. How do you do that? When you begin to notice, you know, those yellow flags are there. That person's not going to be able to be there for you. How do you back out of that? What have you done? What would you tell people to do? I think the first thing I would just say is that this is an incredibly complicated potential answer. (laughs) When we are in a place where there is a friendship that exists, and what I mean by that is that there's a lot of nuance, because I think that in some situations it might look like this, and in other situations it might look like this. And part of it is going to be dependent also on the health of the person we're interacting with. And potentially our own health and our own internal resources. But, you know, this is something I I think of as you saying, Allison, is like a lot of times boundaries begin with our yes. I say this a lot to clients, like boundaries are not about punishment. Boundaries are about really honoring what it is that you need and that this is the place that we begin, right? And so when I think about friendships, I think about it like, It's like an adjustment of those boundaries, essentially, that whereas maybe we thought that we could maybe have a little bit more flexible, slightly more porous boundaries with a person through lots of cues, right? And and we trust that our body is able, God gave our body so much wisdom to be able to discern, this is not life-giving to me, I'm often feeling drained, I'm feeling hurt. I feel like this is causing me to have to spend more energy than I have the capacity for. It's not reciprocal, right? Like these are all these kind of red flags. As we begin to discern that, I think that in some situations, like depending on the person's level of health, it might be appropriate to have a conversation like, hey, in X situation, when this happened, that was really hard for me. That was hurtful in the future, could you do X differently, right? Sometimes when that person, when we perceive that person could handle that, I think that might be good. There's going to be other times, and I've seen this both clinically and in my own life, where the person is showing such high levels of a lack of desire to being willing to take feedback where the boundary, and again, I think of you saying this, Allison, um, I think you say this so well, but oftentimes it's our behavior that ultimately communicates the boundary more so than necessarily the words that we are saying, right? That it's, it's less about like, I need to have this conversation. It's more that I'm unfortunately not available this next couple of weeks. And that's the boundary. And again, not from a place of punishment, right? From a place of wholeness and saying, I need to honor myself. And in order to do that, here's how I'm shifting my priorities. Yeah, Andy, that's that's really, really good. I uh, was in a situation not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, where there was this invitation. And you say the wisdom in the body was like, don't go, don't do this. Don't do it, Monique. And I'm thinking, okay. And I don't, know exactly what well yes I do as we've talked about those trauma responses just you know activated and there was this well if I don't this person is going to be upset or sometimes what has been kind of directed at me well you know everybody can get together but you it's been oh you're the one that's like that's always missing you know kind of thing and I'm like yeah, that's not really true but okay why do you feel comfortable enough making me be that person you know are you having this same conversation with that other person that wasn't there the last time nonetheless this was over the years I went through that I don't go I wonder and will they feel and and again because I'm getting older I am I I do try to be very 
attuned to the Holy Spirit to see, should I be there? Because I don't want to take time for granted. So I do, I factor that in as well. I do. And I said, Lord, if this is supposed to not be about me in this moment, direct me and just guide me. But in this instance, I didn't get that, (laughs) you know? And so finally I said, I am going to say no. And I did. And there was just such this sense of relief, but it was exhausting that there still are those times you know, where you are having to kind of tease through and say, oh, to your point on how healthy is this person? Like, can they really hear me say, oh, the last time I was in your presence, this is how I felt. And, you know, because of these things that were said or these things that were done. And when you recognize that people do not necessarily have that capacity and that flexibility to have that conversation, then I'm saying it's just not even worth the conversation. So there is just a, oh, I can't make it today. Um, I have something else to do. And if that something else to do happens to be taking care of me, then that's what's on my agenda in that moment. I love what you're saying, Dr. Monique. And I think especially for Christians, this this sometimes feels maybe like an uncomfortable statement, but I feel like there, you have to have a certain audacity to believe that you matter you are worthwhile, you are worth that reciprocation, you are worth taking care of. Like it matters how you feel when you are with the people that you are with. And that doesn't mean that those other people don't matter. Again, Jesus's words, to love your neighbor as yourself, that includes yourself and it needs to, because frankly, there is no mutuality without that peace. And I think that's audacious. Right. I think that there's something about that that for a lot of people they're like, oh, e. But I think for me as a trauma survivor, a commitment I've made to myself is to say, no, 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 you matter. There was a time in your life where it was not safe for you to matter, and no more. That's over now. Like I'm not allowing that the things that happened in my childhood to the best of my ability. I choose to live my adulthood differently. Those are just such important words. I am so happy to have discovered Sunday's Food for Dogs. It's nutritious, affordable, air-dried dog food that contains 90% meat, 10% vegetables, and zero synthetic nutrients. Sunday's was co-founded by Dr. Tori, a practicing veterinarian, and besides USDA beef and all-natural chicken, you'll find digestive aids and disease-fighting antioxidants for your beloved pets. Dog lovers report noticeable health improvements in their pups, including softer fur, fresher breath, better poops, and more energy. My dogs love Sundays. I have two. One in particular is a picky eater. Normal dog food just doesn't work for her, but they love Sundays, and we feel so good about feeding them the best quality food. We want them in our family for a long time to come, and Sundays is giving them our very best. Unlike other fresh dog food, Sundays is zero prep, zero mess, and zero stress. It's shelf-stable, which means it's easy for you to feed your pup top-quality food. Every order ships right to your door, so you'll never worry about running out of dog food again. And best of all, it costs 40% less than other healthy dog food brands because Sundays doesn't waste money shipping frozen packages. Instead, they spend on what matters most, sourcing the best all-natural ingredients for your pup. We worked out a special deal for our dog-loving listeners. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash you or use code bestofyou at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash you. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. A recent survey found that 7 in 10 parents get an average of just three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep. And I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code BESTOFYOU for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. 
Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is, Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code BESTOFYOU for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves. Cozy Earth. Sometimes what I'll liken a friendship breakup to is a breakup. And when you think about the model of a breakup... If you really have discerned inside of yourself, I am just not going to pursue this person anymore. There's really almost nothing they could do to make me want to invest more time and energy in there. That's when I say to folks, that's when you use the actions. You know, it's not you, it's me. Because I don't have the capacity to invest, and I'm not sure the possibility is even there, to have that hard conversation, right? If you're investing in that hard conversation of, listen, when you do this, this is hard for me, you are saying to that person, I'm investing. I think there's something here. And so I think it helps people to think about it. It's actually not kind. If you don't have that capacity to really go there with somebody and walk through that hard journey of seeing if the friendship can change. I mean, I love what you guys are saying. You do it for you. But one way, because I'll have people say to me, well, isn't that ghosting them? If I just sort of back out without the conversation. And the way that I look at that is it's a decision where you're actually saying, I've discerned I cannot invest more in this. I can't do the work to make the friendship better. Therefore, I am going to move in a different direction. I might even name that, which again, isn't ghosting. It's naming I've got this, this, and this that I'm saying yes to this season of life, and I just don't have capacity to invest here anymore. And you don't have to tell them why necessarily. Maybe that's to protect yourself from fallout. Maybe that's simply just a decision because you just legitimately don't have the bandwidth. And that can be really hard for people. And it comes back, I love the word audacity. I think as Christians, sometimes we think it's our job to compulsively please other people and to never disappoint anybody and to never let anybody down. And that if somebody else is disappointed or let down by us, we have committed a cardinal sin. And instead, I think that biblically is to live really authentically aligned with the Spirit. I love that you said that aligning with the conviction of the Holy Spirit of this is the direction I need to go in my life. I hope that you will support me in this. But if you don't, there's just not much I can do. And I spoke about aging, not that I'm, you know, old, but I like the way Dr. Tony Evans always says it. None of us really know who's old and who's young because none of us know when, you know, the Lord is going to say it's time to come home. So I I like that. But as I have gotten older, and I say I enjoy hearing Andy's story, definitely not the trauma, but hearing you tell it from a place. And when you recount it from this place of, of looking back, and the work that you've done, and the healing that has taken place. I I so enjoy listening to you speak of that, because you can hear like, oh, this is the work that she has done to get over that fawning, or to even, sometimes the language I use with clients when we talk about that freeze response, and that's been mine quite a bit, that one and the fawning. They're probably neck and neck, you know, crossing the finish line there. But I think about the freezing and um, like the older I've gotten, I think to myself, how do I thaw? Like, what makes me thaw? Like, you know, even just imagining, okay, when you take something out of the freezer, you know, what do you just set it on the counter, you know, put it in the microwave. However, you, you look to try to defrost this thing and thaw it a bit, that's the picture that I have to keep in my mind because it, it comes literally for me, the place of God, teach me to number my days. And so many of my days, when you were saying so much of my childhood, you know, was this way. And now as an adult, I'm choosing differently. And for me, when I look back, so much of my life has been about 
pleasing everybody else and trying to keep everybody else happy. And it doesn't matter what I'm feeling or rarely is that turn to say, well, you know, what's really going on in with you? No, you saying you're okay, but no, what's really going to just don't get that a lot, you know? So I, I said, I have to figure out ways where I am nurtured, I am, I'm nourished in relationship. And even if that means for me at this stage of life, fewer relationships that are more life-giving, then I'm all for it. Like I am all for it because I just cannot, like I am at a place where I cannot live however many more days that I have in that same state. And so I think that that's what kind of keeps that that little thawing mechanism underneath me, you know, that fire that burns underneath me to say, I can no longer sacrifice any more of myself in that mm. way. I love that. To kind of wrap up here, you're leading right into this last question that I wanted to ask you guys, which is what would you tell your younger self? Maybe your 20-something self, uh, your 25 year I see by the looks on your faces, right? What would you tell your younger self about friendship based on all that you've learned now? What would you want her to know? I think the main theme that I would want my younger self to know, um, two things. One is I would want to encourage her to trust herself, to trust her body, to trust the messages that her body was giving her about different people in her life. Because I think having a history of trauma, it was easy for me to discount how my body was reacting. And somehow that would end up being like things that were not my responsibility became my responsibility. Like they felt like they were my own fault because I didn't listen because in my childhood, it wasn't safe to listen to my body. So therefore, then as an adult, when the red flags came up, I bypassed them because I thought, well, it just must be me. It must be my trauma. I must be so selfish. You're right. I am the one who does X, Y, and Z. And not to say that I am perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I don't mean it that way. But I would love if I could go back and just really be with that younger self to encourage her to really listen to that. And then the second thing would be to encourage that my younger self to know, like, I've had a really healthy, great relationship with my husband for a long time. He's been such a resource and, and gift to me. But friendships have been a little bit trickier. You know, like I'm now 40 and like the last 10 years have been, there's been so much goodness and growth, but I mean, I'm 40, like I've lived a lot of time and there's been a lot of pain around friendships. And it's almost like telling that, that younger self, like she deserves good friends. Yeah. Makes me a little bit emotional to think about that younger self and just that she deserves that and to wait and to, to know that um, she'll find it. Whew. That's real. That's beautiful. Yeah, to your point too, Andy, um, just a minute ago, when you mentioned we are to love God and love others as we love ourselves. And I think I would want to tell my 20-year-old self that I love her, that I would befriend her. I think that would be it. Okay, now we're all a puddle. (laughs) That's so beautiful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just want to say you both have given my young 20, 25-year-old self a gift these past few years in ways that I'm not sure I can even fully articulate. I've tried a little bit. One of the things I think about friendship is a good friend helps you see yourself in a new way, in a way that is like, oh my goodness. And you both have done that for me. You've helped me see goodness in myself which sounds sort of, again, paradoxical, or I'm assuming I do that for you. Otherwise, that would feel very one-sided and narcissistic. I'm pretty sure I do. do. But (laughs) that's remarkable to me because it's not just me mirroring other people. It's, oh my gosh, here are two women who I leave conversations with them and I'm seeing myself from a different angle. I'm seeing qualities in myself I didn't even really know were there. I knew were there, but they'd never really been called into being. 
we call each other into being, into more fullness of who we are. And boy, that has just meant a lot to me from both of you. You both have been gifts these last few years to me. I have needed your friendships in ways I didn't know. I just want to say too, Allison, that I thank you for bringing Andy because Andy, I honestly think that that was my connection with you was Allison um, originally, mm-hmm. initially, especially when you right. first yeah. um, did the podcast with me. And you're also one of those that I just felt like, God, I feel like I've known her like before, forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever the case may be. There have just been good things, Allison, that... Yes, I have had the opportunity to experience you bear fruit in my life. Mm. And this is so far has been fruit that has remained. It's been fruit that I've been able to not only just enjoy, but it has nourished and sustained me. So thank you. That's a really good note to end on. I love that. Is is this a relationship that's bearing fruit? Mm. I love that because so often I'll talk about how, you know, we learn the fruit of the Spirit as if there are things we are supposed to present to others. I need to be good to others. I need to be kind to others. I need to be joyful for others. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what I feel with both of you is I also feel those fruit toward myself Mm -hmm. when I'm with you. I feel, oh, I can be kind toward that part of me. Or, oh, that part of me feels seen Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And that feels so just deeply Mm -hmm. satisfying and joyful Mm -hmm. to me that someone has seen that part of me that I've carried so silently for so many years. Mm -hmm. And so there's fruit internally that is born by these friendships. And that might be a great benchmark for what is the fruit Mm -hmm. that this relationship is bearing in my life, especially as kind of traveling down this road of getting to know somebody new, of testing out a new friendship, of saying, I see some good here, and then taking steps to say, you know, oh, there's there's good fruit there. Because I think with someone, that fruit will start to appear fairly quickly if those green flags are there. So I love that. I love that as a way to end. And I'm just so grateful for you both. And I really appreciate Thank you for taking the time to talk about this with me today. I was so looking forward to this conversation and it did not disappoint. Mm. Thank you for having us. Yes. I carry you all with me. Like Dr. Kurt mentioned, Mm -hmm. I carry y'all with me. So Mm. thank you. I love that. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you'd take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.